Well, hello again, everyone. Pastor John here, and I'm sitting here with a couple of new friends of mine, Sue and Paul Drinkard. And uh, we are going to continue the conversation we began several weeks ago. As uh, you know, uh, if you've been attending our uh, Start to Follow class, we're going through this little booklet, and we're talking about some of the basics of the Christian life. And uh, it's for new believers, but it's also for people who've been walking with the Lord for uh, many years. And that's part of what makes the class really uh, engaging and interactive and, and exciting is uh, everybody's sort of at a different season in their walk with Jesus, but we're all growing together and uh, learning from one another as we uh, share what we're learning from scripture. And so I'm excited to dive into uh, this week's chapter, which as you guys remember is chapter four of our book, I Have Good News. I have good news. Uh, it reminds me of something funny that one of my daughters uh, loves to say when she, to this day, uh, when she comes over to visit, she'll walk through the door and say, hey, everyone, good news. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a good chuckle. She's a, a, a funny kid. And uh, and you know, I, I love that because um, there's a certain uh, swagger that she has, of course, that's just part of our family humor. I'm not suggesting that we should have swagger as Christians, but there is a lightheartedness um, that uh, this particular daughter has that she's just comfortable in her own skin and she she loves her family and uh, she likes to be uh, with us and we like to be with her. And, and she just, she's like, here we are. Let's just enjoy each other. And I, I love that um, as sort of an opening um, sort of, uh, picture because this is the way the family of God should be. Not that we're saying to each other, good news, it's me, but good news. Um, let's talk about Jesus, you know, because he really is, um, the source of, of our lives. Uh, and it's really cool that he, he calls us into this family where we get to do life together and that he really is, um, our lives sort of center around him and around his word and this thing called the church and um, it's a community of people that are journeying together in uh, in their faith and so one of the things practically that is really important in our Christian lives is how do we learn to share our faith and as I was sharing on Sunday it's easy to say our faith and it's okay to say our faith but I want to clarify something that is is helpful and important i think um and it's not just semantics it, it really is important to understand when we talk about witnessing we're not talking about sharing our faith per se um but we're talking about sharing the faith there's a body of truth that we believe as Christians, and it's not ours per se, in, se in the sense that we've thought it up or it originated with us. It really comes from the Bible and it comes out of the heart of God. And we wanna make sure that we understand that because sometimes when people think about witnessing, the focus becomes on them and their life experience and their story, and they forget Jesus is the hero of the story. <laughs> And, and so we want to make sure that when we're sharing um, the faith that it really is about Jesus. Now, of course, it includes 
how Jesus is affecting our lives. And that's what's so uh, wonderful and unique about the way each one of us does it because we all have our own unique story. And, and that's part of what makes it powerful because people that we're sharing with can relate. You know, it makes it relatable. So with that in mind, um, this chapter, we learned about um, the, the power to share our faith. Like, where does that power come from? Uh, how to share a simple message. So there's a simplicity to what we, we share. And then how to share a personal message. It also should be very personal and relatable. So we're going to kind of unpack that together as we did in the class, but just kind of continue that uh, concept. And one of the first things that I want to throw out there for us to, to, uh, to share about is just this idea of getting over sort of um, some inhibitions that we all naturally have. Um, first of all, let me just ask you guys this. Have, have you ever felt nervous about sharing the Christian faith with people in your life? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it that makes you feel anxious, Sue, for you? What, what? Well, I think a couple things. I think one, I'm worried about saying the right thing, saying the things the right way. Yeah. Um, and then two, fear of how they're going to think about me afterwards. Are they going to reject me? Yeah. Or, you know, of course, focusing on myself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'd be honest, I feel the same way to this day. I have to wrestle through that a little bit. And I, you know, I'm a pastor. You think, oh, John, you've been doing this for decades. It just must be easy for you. Well, sometimes it is depending on the context. It just kind of naturally flows. But believe me, to this day, there are still... There are still times when it is downright scary for me, and I have to push through that, uh, you know, as the Lord is leading. I don't put a burden on myself. You know, I don't run around, you know, feeling like, okay, I, I've got to do it. You know, in every single setting, with every single person, I, it's not like I'm just sort of, you know, on autopilot, you know, doing this out of some sense of obligation. But I really try to listen to what the, you know, be sensitive to if the Lord is kind of um, opening that door of opportunity and, and so that I'm following his lead. But I'm curious, Paul, for you, uh, what is it that makes you feel anxious at times uh, in sharing the faith? Um, I think that sometimes I, I worry about misrepresenting what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, choosing the wrong words. Um, maybe um, a tendency to flower things up a little bit and, and that kind of, I think is a turn off to people. And, and, uh, um, so I get that, that makes me a little bit apprehensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these days we live in a culture that I think is becoming, um, even more hostile mm -hmm. to people openly sharing their faith. And, and it's interesting because it, it, on the one hand, what we hear from culture is tolerance, right? And we need to be tolerant to all worldviews, you know, but we all know that there's a caveat and what yes. is the caveat <laughs> they're not tolerant towards us yeah it's, yeah. The, the, it's except the christian worldview yeah, except. now i don't think we should go around you know feeling like some sort of um victim about that you know i think that's you just you're wise if you're just aware that you know that's that's just par for the course mm -hmm. you know and it was it's always been that way i mean you you look in the in uh, the early church and and some people listened and um and, and others didn't, they rejected and opposed. And, but, um, it's always fascinated me that, 
um, you know, the Lord sent prophets. He sent apostles. He sent his own son, Jesus himself. And, um, and many times people, you know, they persecuted okay. and, and stoned and killed the prophets and some of the, you know, disciples as well. Most of them died martyrs' deaths. So, but the fact is he still sent them. He still sent them. Why? Because some people would listen. Some people did listen. And you and I are sitting here today yeah. talking about it over 2,000 years later uh, from the time of Christ because they were faithful to bear witness and to share the message. And so... One of the things that <clears throat> I think helps us get over some of that anxiety, and this was pointed out in the chapter two, is that um, it helps to know that we're not salesmen trying to close a deal. Mm-hmm. We're more like postmen delivering a message. And people can receive it or not receive it, but we're just delivering it. And so let's talk about that a little bit um, uh, it, for starters with just what how are we empowered to be able to do that and and the chapter just talked about the holy spirit i want to read this scripture uh to you in um acts 431 it says and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spoke the word of god with boldness uh the other scripture in acts 1 8 jesus had told his disciples to wait in jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and that was going to be the Holy Spirit that would come upon them and enable them to be witnesses, uh, starting in Jerusalem, but then going out to the surrounding area in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we understand today that that as we take his message, first of all, that's the commission, is to take the message of the gospel to the world. But but he said, but but wait. Don't go, don't go, you know, don't be in a big hurry to run out and start doing it. You're going to need the helper. You won't be able to do it in your own strength. And so let's talk about that a little bit. I'm curious what your guys' sort of life experience has been um, in terms of the power of the Holy Spirit to sort of enable you to share the message. Can you think of times where you have experienced this, where you sensed, Maybe to your surprise in some ways that the Lord not only gave you the opportunity to share, but maybe he surprised you at how, how smooth it was, how easy it was, how natural it was. Have you, have you ever had that kind of experience? Um, yes, I would say that when that has happened, it's usually the person sees that I behave differently than they do okay. or others, and they come and ask. And when they come and ask, it's not me trying to sell them something. It's me answering their question. Hmm. And I think it just puts it in a little bit more relaxed setting because it's, you already know how they're going to respond because they're the one that brought it up, not okay. not me. So Yeah, that's good. And so what you're saying is you're, you're bringing, uh, um, touching on something that's an important part of our witness. It's not just what we say, but it's how we live. It's what we do. Um, I think it was Augustine who said, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. <laughs> now, I think we got to be careful because we don't want to use this as a cop out. Like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just going <laughs> to live a good example, you know. And sometimes people, 
you know, avoid actually opening their mouth, but it is about the message. We actually have to proclaim the good news story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, of our need to, you know, repent of sin and turn to him and trust him and, and all the rest. We'll touch on that in just a few minutes, but... Um, uh, Sue, do you have any thoughts on this about how the Lord has maybe <laughs> enabled you to do something that was stretched you out of your comfort zone? Well, um, I can't, I mean, yeah, I've been stretched definitely. Um, I can't off the top of my head, I can't think of like, oh wow, that really surprised me. But I think about the relief of knowing that it's the Holy Spirit that's mm. guiding us. So as I've shared with people, I, you know, I want to pray and, and Holy Spirit, please have your words come out mm -hmm. and please, you know, block any words that are not of you. Mm -hmm. So after I've shared with someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was crazy. Then I'm like, no, you know what? The Holy Spirit was in control. They heard the words that the Holy Spirit wanted them to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, something else I th I'm thinking of as you're talking, I don't want to restrict. Sometimes I know when I, th what we have automatically imagine about witnessing. And even as I ask the question, you, we tend to think um, a, a particular context and maybe not other more mundane everyday things. Like, for example, with our own children. Mm -hmm. You know, have there been times as you've been raising, you raised your children in the Lord? Can you think of conversations and, and scenarios where the Lord's just put it in your heart and your mind to say things that point them to Christ that you didn't plan to say? It was just the Lord spoke in those moments. I mean, I, I think there's probably... A million little ways in everyday life where I just think of our kids going through relational struggles, you know, friends at school mm -hmm. or hard circumstances, you know, their own trials and things. And as parents, we're discipling. Our discipleship actually starts in the home if you're a parent, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for either one of you, can you just in your own parenting journey, how does being a witness to these sort of little humans that may not yet actually have their own faith you know they're just they're just your kids but you're shaping and forming that faith by the input that you're giving them in the lord as parents so i'm not sure if this is what you're asking but yeah like for instance um we babysit our granddaughter on a daily basis and she's two and a half and so just every day when we're gonna eat we say you know, a prayer, some sort of thanks to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so now she doesn't want to eat without doing that. She knows <laughs> that's what we do. And then it. if she takes, if we give her seconds, mm -hmm. pray again, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to start eating because I'm hungry. Yeah. That's funny. You know, it is interesting that, um, how formative I just think that some of the most important witnessing that we do we just take for granted right you know, it's if, that day to day because it's the day to day our habits know, our routines because those how do we learn anything in life before we learn to talk or or you know 
you know, we don't, we learn to talk before we learn to spell or read because we're just listening and we're watching and we're mimicking. And in the same way in spiritual things, how do children even learn the existence of God? Mm -hmm. You know, you literally, you teach and train them and model that and just talk about it in everyday life. That's discipleship. <laughs> we're talking about following Jesus, right? The whole premise of this class is we're, we're, we're learning what it means to follow Jesus and that's, that's where it starts. And that's probably the more profound influence that you're going to have in the world if you're a parent over any conversation with someone over the water cooler at the office or some random stranger. I'm not diminishing the importance of those conversations. I'm just saying your greatest impact in the world when it comes to follow, knowing how to follow Christ is it takes place in the hallways and the bedrooms and the bathrooms and the minivans of life in those conversations, you see? And so I, I'm just, I'm intrigued by that idea because we tend to think, oh, cold turkey evangelism with somebody I don't even know. <laughs> and I think the Lord says, well, yeah, you can include that, but what about that little person staring at you every day with Cheerios stuck to their cheeks, yes. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's, I, I remember when our kids were little, we would, um, even just teaching them to read the first word that I taught my kids was God. It's, it's one of the easiest words to sound out mm -hmm. phonetically. And so we opened up the very first verse of the Bible in the beginning, God. And I just remember four years old or whatever, you know, their first G ah, D God. And then the light comes, they looked at me because we talk about God, but now they're seeing that word. They just discovered it. Friends, that's discipleship. Yeah. I'm not <clears throat> trying to, you know, toot my own horn. I want to make it really practical. And I think, when you think, when you realize what, who are the people that God has strategically and sovereignly placed in your life? And, and in those everyday interactions, that's where you witness. You know, that's where, that's where it happens. Um, let's talk a little bit about the message itself. How to share a simple message. Um, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to witness and then of course there's the power of the word itself and Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel it is the power but we've got to actually share the word of God and there are some things that we have to share we actually have to say some things to people that maybe for the first time they ever hear it it's not complicated but it can be scary if you've never done it before. And um, this is another reason why it's good to even have a class like this where we just kick it around and talk about because it, it gives us practice. So let's talk about these four things. Four scriptures, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Realize that we're all <laughs> sinners. So, have you ever had to have that awkward conversation where you actually 
share with someone how you came to discover that you needed a savior because you sinned against God or they need a savior because they've <laughs> sinned against God. Is that, is that something that you've had any life experience with? I remember one time um, sharing with a friend of, it was my son's friend mm -hmm. and he would come camping with us quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he was raised, he had, I don't think he'd ever been to church except when my son started inviting him to come to church and they were like eighth graders. And so I was trying to describe to him sin and he had, he did not understand what sin was. And I was trying to, do you know about Adam and Eve? And he was complete blank. So it was, I was just, God help me. <laughs> help, give me the words. That's such a good example. I have, we have experienced, cause our girls, um, you know, our kids grew up playing sports. And so kids were always at our, over at our house, you know, before, after soccer games, that kind of thing. And we had so many conversations with kids uh, around lunch tables or dinner tables or breakfast tables if they stayed the night. And we just kind of incorporated them into our family. Like we say grace here at the, you know, <laughs> and I would just, I would just try to talk about, kind of find ways to ask about their life. And what would happen is a lot of kids because so many families are broken, they just weren't used to families even sitting down, having meals together, mm -hmm. talking about their day, talking about their relationships, those sorts of things. And so I love that example because it's, it's again, it's the mundane details of everyday life. And what you realize is, whoa, okay, this is just an eighth grader that's, giving me their undivided attention, you know? And those are, those are amazing opportunities. And it's amazing what can blossom out of that because you might be the only parent they can talk to, you know? And, and, and those are sometimes the way God surprises us, I think. So I'm, I'm curious for you, um, Paul, what, you know, what's, what's, um, a day like in in your life in terms of workspace or family <laughs> space like do you is it do you see natural opportunities to be able to um direct conversations toward the lord where you can actually talk about this reality that boy we're separated from god and <laughs> so um i work for a company that is owned by a Christian family and um, one of my co-workers is a Christian and anyway so several of my co-workers are Christians so it's kind of different but in my previous life uh, I worked in a prison so ah. there was lots of opportunity there lots of sin <laughs> lots of sin <laughs> lots of sinners and then there were the inmates <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so true. So there was lots of opportunities in my previous career, and um, uh, and a lot, I had a lot of opportunity to share my faith. And um, we weren't allowed to share our faith unless they asked us about it. Okay. Which was kind of odd, but 
it still afforded us the opportunity because I was different than everybody else. And so I would get asked all the time, why are you different? Mm. And then it was, it was an open door and I could start and I had to start with baby steps and I was able to share. And I actually have, um, I have a Bible that I had, I'd go from page to page and I had written upside down the next page I needed to go to Okay. so that I could walk them through. And I, and I had an opportunity to use that a few times. Um, but it was, uh, it, my coworkers were the same. My coworkers would sometimes come and say, why are you different? And you call yourself a Christian. I've met a lot of Christians, but they're not like you. Mm. They, they act like the rest of us do. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, that's a, that speaks loudly when, when you're different and you know, you're different and you, you don't try to serve the world. You try to serve Christ in the way you act and you respond to people. And I still, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, I make a lot of mistakes myself, but, um, that, that's, that was my opportunity to, uh, share my faith with the people that I worked with is just by being different and giving them an opportunity to ask me. And then mm-hmm. the door was open. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's a, we used to do jail ministry and, and when I would go into jails or prisons, it was one of the things that I actually found so refreshing is, um, we actually don't, I mean, it seems like there's a more different than more in common, you know, on the surface when you're thinking about people who are in prison. It's just a matter of degree. Like we've all been slaves to sin, mm-hmm. you know. We, we, we all need rescue, you know, and there's things that they've, they're experiencing that it's, it's kind of just out there. Everybody sees it. My heart's just as wicked, you right. know. It's, I, I need rescue um, as much as they do. And, um, but I think sometimes those kind of life experiences are really powerful because you see this, this contrast that you're describing that I think is a great open door. It's like, well, what's different about you? Well, on one hand, you could say, well, yes, I'm different but I'm not actually all that different from you. You know, I, I need a savior. My heart is just as lost as anybody else's. But what I think you're seeing is the effect of Christ in that, that he's changing me. He's growing me. He's, he's helping me learn how to love and how to trust him and how to obey him and stuff. But boy, that's a, that's a, a neat opportunity that you had and especially in a place where a lot of people would be really afraid you know a lot of people would think man that's the last place I'm going to try to share my faith and yet it's the most desperate I mean I think of Jesus on the cross it was like he was literally on death row Mm -hmm. and he was surrounded by two criminals that's a great opportunity to preach the gospel. <laughs> yes. Like you can't get any more urgent than that, you know, and we're, we're all closer to the finish line than the starting line here. <laughs> if it isn't obvious and yeah, we, let's have this talk, you know? And so I, I, I love that example though, Paul, because it highlights 
I think, a sense of urgency that we all ought to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all need to realize that um, we're living, the Bible says, in the last days. Mm-hmm. We live in perilous times. Feels like it. Yeah. And, and there's going to be, people are going to be lovers of self. They're going to be hateful and brutal. Um, there, there's going to be, um, people love pleasure rather than loving God, the Bible says. And, and they're just totally blinded and deceived and, and disillusioned. Mm-hmm. You know, this life at the end of the day is, is pretty, um, perplexing and pretty disappointing one of the things that i love i said a moment ago i find it refreshing because even when you're in a place where someone is hopeless to me because of jesus that's actually the most hopeful moment if i know somebody's hopeless to me i don't get down about them like wow their life is just wow this is really a hopeless situation as a Christian, I'm exactly the opposite. I go, they are hopeless, but this situation is no longer hopeless because I'm hopeful and I can share with them. And I don't, I don't have to be afraid to share. I can be excited to share because literally it could rescue their whole, their life. You know, it could be the difference maker for their eternity. And that's stuff that I think we should be get excited, get, be really excited about it. <laughs> like my daughter. Good news, it's me. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> honestly, we have good news. You know, I'm here. I'll tell it to you. And, um, you know, I think that's something to be pretty excited about. Um, let's talk a little bit about just the the idea of making it personal. And um, this was kind of that third area. And, and the scriptures that were shared had to do with salt and light. We know that salt has a preserving influence and it flavors things. That's a great metaphor because in an evil world, we're to have a, you know, in the ancient world, they didn't have refrigeration, right? So the way they preserved meat, for example, is salt. And in their world, when Jesus used that, it was the idea is we're the salt that has that preserving influence in a decaying world. And salt also gives flavor. Mm-hmm. And man, when, when our lives um, are salty, it, it adds, a, I think, a zest in a way to people's life experience. In other words, they get a taste of Christianity by, by their life sort of touching up against ours. And they're like, hmm, I like that. That's different. You know, have you ever done that where you've eaten a, a particular food for the first time and you're like, you're kind of like, I've never had that. I like that. It's, <laughs> it's good, you know, and it's, it's flavorful. It's maybe a new flavor. And I love that about that picture because I think when people get a taste of Christianity, mm-hmm. I think they should say, hmm, I, I, I've never, I'm not sure what that is, but I like it, yeah. you know. So, what are you thinking, Sue? I see your gears oh, turning there. Oh, I'm thinking about, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes. And when we know the Lord, um, we have a completely different perspective on the world. And we have a different perspective on other people and loving other people um, that otherwise we might view as unlovable. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of also makes 
everyday life a little more interesting, not so mundane, that we we have joy in the ex, you know exciting things, but we also find joy in the everyday, and that does make it, you know, oh, this is nice to be around. It's mm-hmm. it's tasty. Salty. Well, what happens sometimes in the church is we, it's like the preaching to the choir that mm-hmm. old saying. We just got used to kind of each other and talking about things that we're all familiar with, and and to be honest with sometimes. With you, sometimes um, I I am most encouraged when I'm in speaking with people that are most discouraged because they're actually finally teachable and humble and interested in hearing and getting help. Sometimes when you're having conversations with with professing Christians that don't have much of a spiritual appetite because they think they've heard it all, mm-hmm. but yet they're dealing with problems, but they're not really ready to address it. I, I feel like those conversations are more discouraging because I feel like, yeah, they really don't want to know. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to somebody who doesn't know the simple things that you know as a Christian, you're like, yes, I, it, they actually are hungry. And, and it opens up a door and a really refreshing conversation. Now, their life and their circumstance may not change, mm-hmm. you know, instantly, but their perspective can because they're actually open. And so um, that's, that's what's exciting about um, just the idea of, of having that flavor. Um, the idea of a preserving influence, what do you guys think? is important about your witness in today's world looking at let's say the moral depravity and the moral decline in our culture and seeing some of those things that really are give us kind of heavy hearts you know when we look at you know where this younger generation is and where society is going morally and and it's it's shocking how fast it's happening you know and the character of our nation do you guys see the importance of Christians speaking up and standing up and being salt in in today's world? What are your thoughts about that? Well, so I, I carpooled with the same guy and had an opportunity to uh, show him Christ every single day. Um, his, his whole philosophy on it is they let them do what they want to do. It's, I'm not about it, but let them do what they want to do. And I think as Christians, we need to stand up and say, well, we can't accept that. That's, that's just allowing them to continue on in the same path that they're on mm-hmm. and uh, to the point where there's, there's, there's no hope for them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm, I'm really sad about what's going on. I'm sad about how they're destroying children. Um, and um, I get quite frustrated about that. Do you, so this is a, a good conversation to have because I think there's a lot of Christians that are grieved and rightly so over what we see happening in, in our world, but they're not sure what to do about it or how mm-hmm. to respond. It's hard, it's hard to come across um, hopeful and joyful when you're angry at what you see. 
And, and there is such thing as righteous indignation, but the Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. And what you're saying is really resonating with me, Paul, that I, I, it grieves me too, and I get angry. But how do you handle your witness? H how do you keep a check, maybe, on sinful anger? When, you know how sometimes it's a tendency to just be mad mm -hmm. at the situation or the problem, but how is the Lord teaching you to maybe keep a check on that and respond in ways that truly reflect Christ? Um, you know, because we are representing him, you know, Jesus came into a wicked world. <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of sin in the first century Roman empire just like there is today a lot of moral depravity a lot of corruption yeah. all the things that we deal with today and yet he he was able to engage with his culture in a redemptive and hopeful way so i'm just curious how how has the lord um helping you to navigate that um i when i'm around other people and i have conversations with it I don't think I get as frustrated as I do when we're sitting at home watching the news. <laughs> right. I mean, it, honestly, and, and she'll tell you, and sometimes she's like, well, so when we did our fasting, I'll just do a little side tracker. When we had that fast, mm -hmm. I fasting fasted from the news. Fasted, there you go. Probably I, not a bad I, idea. I fasted from the news in my work truck. I fasted from news at home and, and <laughs> that was what I did. Cause I'm, I'm like a news junkie. And, um, and I think that was really healthy and I probably should have stuck to it, but I didn't. <laughs> Um, but when I'm around other people, I mean, I, uh, working in the prison, we had lots of transgenders come through and that was difficult. And I, I used to have conversations with like our head of psychology and I'd come in and I'd just tell her something that was just off the wall that I'd heard about and she'd agree with it, that it was off the wall. And I'm like, well, that's how I feel about the transgender. And she'd just be dumbfounded. She didn't know what to say. And I, it's several times I'd come in and have this conversation. We had a court ordered transgender living male living in a female unit. We had a multi-sex jail up in Seattle that, that I worked at. And so that was, that was a difficult, that was a difficult time for me because we were given training how we're supposed to accept this. And I just didn't feel like I should accept it for what it was. And the training was coming from psychology. So she was the person I would come and talk to, but I would always go in there and be respectful, but I would give her something that she could look at and say, well, this is ridiculous. This is utterly absurd. And then I could turn around and point the absurdity at what she was trying to tell me was normal. And I, a couple of times I told her, I said, you're treating people who are normal and not treating the person who is crying out for help. Mm. And I had one particular inmate that I was in a meeting with her and the inmate and he looked at her one day and he just said, I have a mental health disorder. It's called gender dysphoria and you're refusing to help me. Mm. And, and this is after he and I had had a conversation and he wanted me to call him ma'am and I just couldn't do it. And I told him, I said, well, you're, you're asking me to lie and I'm a Christian and I can't do that because you're a man, not a woman. And so I told him, I said, well, I'll just put you in someone else's unit. And he says, no, 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 no. I want you because you're honest with me. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. That's a really, really great example of what we're talking about. And you know what? 
that's the kind of thing that can cost you your job. And it, it took courageous faith. What I love about what you're describing, too, is not just that you did it, but the way you did it. You were bold, but you expressed concern for this person at the same time, rather than disdain or hatred. Mm. And I think that's, that's exactly the kind of witness we need to have. We need to stand up, speak up, speak the truth in love, and, and really understand that this person is not the enemy. They have an enemy. They're deceived by an enemy. But you're not the end. They're not your enemy. And sometimes we personalize things in ways that, that we forget that people, if they're blind by sin, if they're bound by sin, they're powerless. They're, they, they literally cannot, you know, they can't rescue themselves. And for starters, if there's any hope, and it sounds like this man intuitively understood this. And I'll bet that was really encouraging for you to hear and affirming for you to, to hear that, okay, he actually is crying out for someone to be honest with him. That's really fascinating, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I, I appreciate that story. I think people who are watching and listening to this, in a way, it opens a whole can of worms for a whole nother discussion, <laughs> which we will have in the, in the weeks and months to come. But that's a whole different subject. But I love just anecdotally, it's an example of the subject we're talking about now, a real life example. Once upon a time, most people hadn't even ever heard that term, didn't know what it meant. Now it's being so normalized, everybody's talking about it. More and more people are experiencing it in their everyday workplace, in schools, um, and in the home, in the family. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk about it, but we've got to know how to talk about it in a way that actually is redemptive and hopeful and um, is like salt and light and in a way that doesn't compromise truth and doesn't misrepresent the love of Christ. And the simplicity of what you said and the way you did that, it, it represented Christ as far as I can tell from what you've shared because you didn't compromise the truth, but you expressed compassion for this person who desperately needed help. And even if the boss didn't appreciate it, the person who, who really needed to hear it the most, they at least appreciated it. I don't think we are doing the world any favors at all if we err on one of those extremes, either fail to be loving or fail to tell the truth. These are not mutually exclusive. Being a witness, Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And he said, and that's, that's if we're going to be his body in this world, then that means we need to express the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. So um, one last thing I want to touch on, because I think we're coming to the end of our time here. 
uh, in this passage or in this uh, the end of this message, the chapter, we talked about a one minute message. Three keys to the one minute message. My life before Christ, my life changed by Christ my new life in Christ. I am going to put you guys on the oh spot. <laughs> okay. Oh no. <laughs> I want you to tell me and the good folks who are watching and listening. <laughs> and I'll do it too by the way. Okay. So this should take 3 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or less. <laughs> <laughs> this is good though cuz we're practicing and learning together. Uh just briefly tell me um and we'll just toggle back and forth. And we'll go through it one little step at a time. So I'll start with you, Paul. What was your life be- like before Christ? I don't remember. <laughs> I was, so I was brought up in the church. And I remember the pastor's name. I remember his vacation Bible school. Okay. And I was five or six years old. Okay. And so prior to that, I was probably a really bad sinner <laughs> always You're in trouble a naughty little kid. always getting spankings and then, then all of a sudden one day it was She'll done and i didn't get in any more trouble after that <laughs> so that reminds me of my five-year-old daughter when uh, she was being disciplined <laughs> and uh and she was trying to get out of it and she was looking at me and her little pigtails were dancing like this and she was completely adorable but naughty and i and i looked at her and i said I said, you, you're going to get your discipline. And she said, but why, Daddy? And I said, because you need to learn your lesson. And she looked at me, her little precocious face and pigtails going, she goes, but Daddy, I've already learned all my lessons. <laughs> she thought quick on her feet, I'm telling you. She's now 20. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but that's that's funny. Do you know you bring up a good point because that is a that's for some people that's part of their testimony and it's legitimate. It's totally okay. I think that's wonderful when you grow up in the church and you don't have this long sorted past, but yet the reality is, you still were separated from Christ mm-hmm. because of you're born with a sinful nature. You need a rescuing merciful Savior as much as anybody. You know, it's not about the amount of sin. It's just about the fact that we're sinners by nature. And we come into the world that way. And so we, so I hope you don't feel in any way awkward or apologetic because your life before Christ, um, all you can say is, well, I was born a sinner. And, you know, by the age of five, I, I had done some sinning. I don't remember a lot of it, but I'm sure my parents do. That's okay. That's a fair. That's a legit testimony. Okay, how about you, Sue? Now, now I'm really curious now to hear yours. I'm just going to tell you: if you talk to his parents, you will find out that he was still a little bit naughty after okay. age five. Even after age five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From what I hear, um, when I think about my life before Christ, I think about being frantic and trying to control everything. Like I wanted to do well in school, so I'm studying, you know, so much and I do dumb things like you do. And then I'm, you know, how, how am I going to fix this? I'm going to go here and do this and here and do that. And, and then that, you know, and just trying to control 
um, control things, trying to make sure I'm making everyone happy that I want happy to like mm-hmm. the people I want to like me, trying to figure out how to get them to like me mm-hmm. and um, just, ah. <laughs> yeah, boy, you're touching on, on some really common things that, cause sin can look different ways. And one of the, one of the things the Bible sort of reveals about us is the idols of the heart. And sometimes what our sin looks like is just the idol of the heart, the idol of approval. I need everybody's approval or the idol of control. Mm -hmm. I've got to be in control of everything or or I can't be happy. I can't be fulfilled. I won't be satisfied. My life won't have meaning. I have to control everything. And, And we can be approval junkies. I know I can. And I'm definitely an overachiever and a control freak, you know, by nature. I, I've, ne- <laughs> I've needed a rescuing savior to change that. <laughs> and believe me, it's taking a lifetime. You know, he's still working out those things in me. But praise God, you know, I'm not what I used to be. And I suspect you could say the same thing. You're not what you used to be. Absolutely. But that was our life before Christ. Uh, for me, um, I... I, my life before Christ is I was a naughty little kid at times. Uh, I, I wanted to be a good boy, but I, I got, became a Christian at nine years old. But I, I was very aware of sin because of the grown-ups around me. I'd seen a lot of kind of worldliness in, in ways. And um, so I was aware that this world is broken. But me personally, I, I, I had a this habit of lying and hiding when I would do something wrong. I didn't know why until my mom explained to me when she became a Christian shortly after I became a Christian because she shared the gospel with me and, and she explained sin that that's why I do the things I do Mm. and why I then try to hide and cover it up is because that's what a sinful nature does. And there's, and, and so um, so that's our life before Christ. Now, we didn't have to glorify our past or our sin to be able to tell that story to each other, did we? No. And yet we could, we could relate to each other. What about the next thing? <clears throat> My life changed by Christ. Um, what, were the, what were the things that you began looking back now that as you've grown in the Lord, what... Um, what were the initial immediate things that you could say, man, I'm, Jesus just changed me. Are there any simple things that come to mind? Well, definitely I was able to let go of some of the control and um, was able to sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, seriously, before that, I I sometimes just could not sleep and just because I had so many, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You know, just going on. So, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to, um, maybe I've moved on to the third question already, but just being able to know that, that Jesus is controlling it. I don't have to worry about that. I could rest. Mm. I mean, it's spiritual rest, but it gave me physical rest too. You know, it's, it's so, this, the heart of the gospel is that we can be forgiven and we need to be forgiven. And, and then what you're describing is once you, you do that, it's, he not only deals with the penalty for our sin, 
When Jesus died on the cross, he also broke the power of sin. Because I don't just need forgiveness, I need deliverance, right? So what you're describing a bit, Sue, is that peace that comes as the guilt and the shame is, is yes. melts away. And I don't have to keep striving to, to please anybody because Jesus loves me and he's ready and willing to forgive and, and give me peace. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to worry that he's just waiting to come down on me like thunder. Right. And I, I think part of my confusion over that time too was thinking, trying to like be good enough. I didn't know about um, salvation, that you could be certain of salvation. I always really believed at the point you died, you found out if you had been good enough or not quite good enough. And that would yeah, decide. When so, it's you know, too late. <laughs> yeah, when it's yeah. too late. Yeah. Um, so understanding the assurance of salvation and, oh, it's not about my acts of righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus acts of righteousness that covers that's credited life. to our account. Yeah. And you being an accountant, you get that, don't you? Then, yeah, it all clicked. Yes. <laughs> the numbers added up. I, I get it. His record is reckoned to my account. And uh, that's, that's huge when you realize I don't have to keep striving and performing mm -hmm. and make myself good enough. Jesus is the only one. It's only the perfect record of Christ that counts in heaven. And so that's something that we have to receive by his grace and mercy. We believe and that he offers it. We believe we need it. We receive it. And then um, how about you, Paul, after Christ, or um, changed by Christ? How did, what were some of the ways you recognized you needed to change and Jesus began to change you? Well, I think that continues on today. Mm -hmm. um, as, as a kid, I think I fell into a lot of, I fell into a lot of traps uh, with sin and, and um, I, I, just because I got saved at age five or six, I was uh, still a sinner afterwards too. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I just think just through maturity, um, understanding uh, God's word by, you know, reading it and studying it, um, it just, I think it helps you to understand that you need to make a change in your life and you need to, you need to do more to serve him and not serve yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the world kind of shows us that too. Yeah. That's so fundamental to walking with Christ is recognizing that it's not about me and and I, I don't live self-oriented, but I start to be Christ-focused and others-oriented in a life of service is a huge change. You know, when the world revolves around you <laughs> and you're the king on the throne, it's, um, it's very isolating and lonely. And when you finally realize, hmm, it's not actually the way reality is, you know, and uh, it's very liberating to discover and it's paradoxical, isn't it? Yeah. If you want to, if you know, if you want to experience life, Jesus said, you got to be willing to lose it if you want to gain it. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've been a servant of all. It's it's just counterintuitive to the way we naturally think, 
and yet it's so liberating and so true. So that's a good example of the change that Jesus makes. And those are the kind of things that are part of our witness, you know. Um, I'm no longer the hero of my story. <laughs> Jesus is the hero of my story. So, um, and then the last thing, your new life in Christ. Um, we're, we are kind of covering that as well at the same time, I, I guess, you know, just talking about the peace that we have. Um, what? Let's fi- finish with this. What is your ultimate purpose, Sue? What do you see your ultimate purpose now? And how do you see the Lord um, helping you to walk in that purpose? Our purpose is to know God and make him known, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's, and that's, the, that's the classic line. But, yeah. but to, to walk that out, again, remember this class is filled with yeah. people who've been in the church for years. Yep. But they may not be walking it out in practical everyday ways right. and and that's what we're all trying to be encouraged to do together is okay i'm i'm either seeing for the first time my purpose or i'm being reminded of it but i really am more intentional about walking it out are there some ways that the lord's showing you that well as we talked about before like when raising kids you have a that captive audience and mm-hmm. we we spend a lot of time with our granddaughter so i'm trying to be um maybe more intentional with her than i was even with our own kids, Mm -hmm. just knowing the time is short. Um, And I think also trying to pay attention and just be willing to make just little Jesus comments about, you know, all about town, whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing, the grocery store, library, whatever, just not being afraid to say, oh, you know, look what the Lord did for me, or Mm -hmm. thank you, Jesus, or just something just to not be afraid to include it naturally in everyday life. So much of, I think, the witness is, and it starts here, but it continues in this way, it's simple awareness. Do we walk in the awareness that we are filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, we are walking and talking with the Lord all day long, and when you simply, I think so much of when Paul, over and over in his epistles, talks about life in Christ and walking in the spirit. It's just a way, I think, of of saying, this is who you are, so live like it, Mm -hmm. you know? Just live in the awareness, I am in Christ and he is in me, and we're in this world as well, and they don't know. The world does not know yet, and so we get to bring that bring that message and so just I think simply living in the awareness of it we'll start to see do you know that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and and I think perhaps there's a couple of ways to look at that but one of the ways that that I look at it practically is if we have a heart for the Lord we're going to see him in everyday life we are we're just going to see him in everyday life and that alone gives us a wealth of opportunities to respond in, in ways that are kingdom-minded. Paul, how about for you? What are you, maybe, what are some things the Lord's teaching you about uh, your purpose uh, in following Christ and moving forward as his ambassador? Um, well, I think, I think I need to learn to have some more grace for people because um, I'm not a very nice driver. 
<laughs> and and I and and that's what my job is now. I'm driving every single day, and and just learning to have grace with people is mm-hmm. is important. And so I think he put me in this position so that I could learn to have grace. Mm. And um, it's funny because you know my working in the prison, I I just. I think I was harder on my kids than I was on the inmates because I expected more from my kids than mm-hmm. I did from the inmates. But I had a lot of grace with the inmates to the point where I would even apologize if I did something wrong, which was uncommon. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think that's one of the areas that I have, that I've struggled with. I, I think what you're <clears throat> saying is, is, is going to be encouraging for someone watching and listening in on this conversation because you know you guys are middle-aged and you raised your kids and and i know i'm there too (laughs) what but you know what i know it goes by quick but here's the thing we're still children of god we're still growing yes we're growing in grace i think it's very encouraging and very important as we share our stories wrapped up in his story to realize we're still work in progress i think it's awesome that you can say you know honestly i still need to grow you know, I, I st- that in itself is a good witness to say, I'm still, God's still working on me and I'm still teachable and humble, I need to be teachable and humble and, and cooperating with the Spirit's work that in simple ways, even just the way I drive and my attitude and I, I need to be more patient, I need to be more gracious. And, and I think that um, that's part of the beauty of a class like this is it just kind of keeps it real personal. And in front and center, you know, so we keep keep um, experiencing that uh, work of the Lord and, and that awareness. So, okay, I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It was it was good to um, to chat with you guys through these things. And um, for those of you that have been listening, um, we're just grateful that you have tuned in and we hope that there's little nuggets along the way, certain things that um, have been an encouragement to you. Uh, We hope that you will also um, uh, share this with a friend, either uh, sharing through social media or just in life, just things you've picked up um, that you will take advantage of those relationships and circumstances and conversations and just realize you are a witness and uh, living in that awareness that you're reflecting Christ wherever you go and that's a it's a wonderful privilege that we have and if our lives have been so transformed by Jesus then it's important that others see that not that we're drawing attention to ourselves but attention to him and uh, the Bible is very clear about the importance of simply a good example and uh, that's how all of us have learned and grown and will continue to do so is looking at the example of Christ but also the example of Christians, other people who, it's like seeing Jesus with skin on, the body of Christ, seeing other Christians. And they, we need to, to be aware of that example. It's really, really important. So God bless you. And uh, next week, we're going to uh, unpack another important subject of decisions. How do we make decisions as followers of Christ? How do we know God's will? And what does it mean to do God's will? And um, this, uh, I hope, is something that you will begin even now to uh, read ahead, do your homework, think about this, pray about this, and come ready to talk about it some more together on Sunday morning. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.